Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie, and I'm here with Brooke McLaughlin, who is one of the uh, co-founders of Million Praying Moms. Brooke and Erin are um, good friends of the podcast. We got to work together on the Praying Christian Women online conference last spring, and it was so much fun. And you know, it was funny, Brooke. Um, so my son saw the picture of you and Aaron together. And so you have brown hair and glasses. Aaron has blonde hair and no glasses. And mm -hmm. Alana and I are the same. And so he's like, you guys could be each other's stunt doubles. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I put the pictures together. I was like, that is so funny. So anyway, um, it is just so cool to get to talk with you guys. And just, I, we love your ministry. We love your heart for prayer. I follow you on Instagram and I love the prompts for your children, just to pause, take a moment and just read through these simple prayers for your kids. It's such a good reminder of what we need to be doing. And now more than ever, I know we just were talking before recording about how each of our families are kind of jumping right back into busy and you just have to be very intentional mm -hmm. about being, you know, making God the center. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for letting me hang out with you a little bit today. I'm glad to be here and glad to yeah. chat. Well, we're really excited. Well, we like to ask each of our, uh, each of our guests on the podcast, before we get into the, the nitty gritty, we like to ask, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to be close with God? Hmm. You know, that has changed as I have grown and matured. I think when my kids were really little, and I think probably a lot of, of moms of littles, you know, they may identify with this. Sometimes it was the bathroom, right? Because yep. that was the only place that I could really go that and I had a, a some modicum of, of privacy. And, yeah, and quiet. mostly sacred, not totally mostly, sacred, but the bathroom sacred. is mostly sacred. Yes, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, so I think it was then it was there when my, my kids were little as they grew up. Um, I had what I referred to as my green prayer chair. I've written about that multiple times in several books. And I still have that chair. Actually, I've had it um, well, actually my husband and I got it when we were married. So we've had it almost 20 years this summer. And, um, it used to be the place that I curled up with my kids most of the time. And so I would find myself, you know, there with them reading a book or whatever. And it was the place that I would retreat to when they were napping or they were, um, in quiet time. And it was, you know, my quiet time matched their quiet time in that season. And so mm -hmm. I would go and sit with the Lord and pray there. And sometimes it was proactive prayer. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place and Lord, would you do this? And would you, um, you know, bless us this way? And sometimes it was reactive prayer. Lord, I can't do this anymore. You have to, you have to help me. But that chair saw a lot of prayers. And most recently, I would say over the last few years, I have transitioned a little bit more to our kitchen table. And I think that it's because I write now I've, I've picked up the habit of journaling when I pray. And it just makes more sense to have a spot that, you know, is a little bit easier to write on. Um, and that that green prayer chair is a little bit harder to manage that. I also really love to to do something called praying myself to sleep, mm -hmm. which um, it just happens in bed. Um, I am a thinker. I think constantly. I'm one of those people that really has a hard time turning my brain off when I go to bed. And so I, I picked up this habit several years ago of um, just starting somewhere. Usually it, usually I start with my husband because he's laying right in bed beside me. So I'll, you know, reach over and lay hands on him and I'll start praying for him. And then maybe I'll pray for our kids. And, and, um, and then usually by the time I'm done praying with one person, the Lord has kind of already, already directed me or placed another, um, another person on my heart. So I'll just move from person to person that way. And I literally just fall asleep praying. And sometimes I do that in the middle of the night as well, as you get up, uh, into your, 40s like I am um you know sometimes it can become a little bit hard to sleep a little harder to stay asleep at night and so I I do that at night as well if I wake up and I'll I'll pray myself back to sleep so yeah it, it has changed and moved a little bit over the years I have found the same thing I I realized with kind of a little bit of sadness my my prayer closet when we first started doing the praying christian women podcast we we talked a lot about prayer closets and mine was the garage and it was because it was, I had little kids in the house and typically you couldn't get a, definitely the bathroom, the shower, those were places in the car even, but the garage, like I just discovered one day as I was taking the trash out, 
how quiet it was and mm-hmm. how, you know, it's still, it's quiet. It's cool. It's dark. I didn't even turn the lights on and it's dark. And it's like this, when you go from sensory overload into mm-hmm. a quiet, dark garage, yes. it's like, Ooh, I can meet God here. And yes. it was just, and I just, I have memories just like dear to my heart memories of weeping and crying out to God, just five minutes. I mean, it was not that long. And my kids were on the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. It's usually cracked and cause it doesn't close very easily. So, you know, I knew that they were in there and, I, but I could, I could, I could speak out loud. They, they wouldn't probably notice cause they weren't coming in. I could hear them if something went wrong, but I just had these moments of like, just really meeting with God in that garage. And I don't have the need for that anymore as much. So I do find myself a little bit more having that time to myself, whether it's, you know, I have a teenage son that can watch the kids so I can, you know, leave and go to the grocery store and in the car alone, a lot of times I'll pray, but I miss some of those old prayer closet times because it almost seems like when the time is more precious, you press into it more and really take advantage of it. It's like drinking water when you're just parched rather than having a pitcher next to you all day long. Mm -hmm. There's so much truth to that when you, it really, and that's my story, Jamie, my story is one that, that prayer was birthed out of desperation. I, I find that there are two main reasons and maybe there are more, but these are the ones that I see a lot that people begin praying. One is out of obedience because the scriptures tell us to pray, right? So they're interested in, in being obedient to God, which is a good thing. Um, the other one is desperation. They come to God in prayer because they don't know what else to do. They've Mm -hmm. lost that, you know, they've tried everything else. They've exhausted everything they know to do. And there literally is nowhere else to turn. And that was my story. I really came to the Lord in a place of desperation. Like, like, Lord, you have to do something in our home. If you don't show up, nothing, this is not going to work. Um, that kind of, of desperation. And, and uh, I'm grateful now It, it didn't feel good in the moment and, and desperation and pain. I mean, we're all human, you know, we, we, are programmed to try and get away from pain. It's it's not easy to try and embrace pain and and press into where God has these pain, painful points in our lives. But um, but that desperation, man, I'm so grateful for it now. I'm so grateful that the Lord allowed me to go through that season, painful as it was, because I have so much more of Him now than I think I would have had if I hadn't gone through that. So I I feel you. Like some of those older times were really really sweet times of prayer. Yeah. And I, I feel like painful situations and those times of desperation, it strips away everything. It strips mm-hmm. away all of those layers of things that we surround ourselves with that false sense of security. Cause when the bottom drops out, you realize all of a sudden, Oh wait, I can see clearly now I was never in control. Mm-hmm. I always needed God. I thought yes. I was in control. Yes. And it's so funny how quickly it can change. I see the seasons of my life. And I think specifically, because we're talking about praying for our children. I see the times with my kids where we'll go for a while coasting on the surface and I'll think, oh, everything's pretty good, mm-hmm. man. I got this under control. And in a split second, a child will say something that just, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Wow. I missed that. That was mm-hmm. going on. Oh my goodness. I need, I've got to pray now. And, and it, it, it unsettles you and it, it makes you, but it was never okay. You know, not that it was never okay, but you were never in control. There were always, there are always these undercurrents of this spiritual battle going on, these emotional battles, these physical battles going on that you just, we, it just takes that moment of clarity to realize it. And if we didn't have those crisis moments, those moments of clarity, whatever, then, then we would live a life of deception. So, I mean, I am grateful for them as hard and painful as it is just to, to uncover. Yeah. They really are God's kindness to us. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't have to show us what's in the hearts of our kids. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to do that. And some of us have children where they will talk about that very freely. You know, there Mm -hmm. are some children who are much easier to read than others Mm -hmm. and and that's a gift as well. And so anytime God gives us that clarity, it feels bad in the moment because we feel like we've missed it or, oh my goodness, this is going to fall apart or, or boy, I have work to do here, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But it really is God's kindness to us to show us that so that we can begin to pray into it and, uh, and ask him to move. Yeah. 
Well, you talked a little bit about at first about what drives women to pray a lot of times. What, but you have this book. So when did, when did Praying Mom come out? What was your launch date? Yeah, it was um, the first of August. First week of August was my launch date. And um, it was actually a, a really interesting week because we lost three family members that week. Oh. I don't think I've ever had a book release time. And this was book number five. And I don't think I've ever had a book release week that went really well. <laughs> But this was certainly the worst. Oh, uh, we so lost sorry. we lost two on my husband's side of the family, and one we we literally attended three funerals that week. So it was a rough week. But uh, but God showed up, and there were so many people praying for us and encouraging us. And and so yeah, it's been out since August now, and and we're at the beginning of October now when we're recording this. And um, I've just been so pleased at at how God's moving and using it, and grateful for people like you that'll help me get the word out about it. Yeah. Well, I just, I love this, the, you know, the, the description for your book says what's, what's really at stake if we don't pray for our kids and in, and, you know, you've laid out a couple of reasons why we start to pray, but praying mom brings up this question, you know, why aren't we praying more? Mm -hmm. What are the barriers? What are the beliefs or whatever? What are the things And you kind of boil it down into, into four main categories? Is that right? Yeah, there's several categories. We, we actually did a survey several years ago, and we asked our readers, we had noticed this pattern um, in moms that, uh, that they, they knew they ought to be praying, but mm -hmm. they weren't praying. And so mm -hmm. we couldn't figure out exactly why there was a, a little bit of a disconnect there. So we sent them a, at our readership, a survey, and we just said this, we just asked this very, very simple question. We said, if you believe that you should be praying, because we knew we were talking to a mostly Christian audience. So there was some level of awareness that they should be praying. If you believe that you should be praying, but you are not, why? That was it. And we got, Jamie, I'm not kidding, like hundreds and hundreds. It was almost as if the moms were on the other side of their keyboard, like just waiting for us to ask this question. Yeah. I have never sent an email ever before that or since then that got that kind of a reply. Um, so it really was just the Lord giving us that information. And so we began to see these answers come in and I'm reading them. And some of them were what you might expect. Some of them were uh, what we've already talked about, right? Like moms of littles who say, I can't even think straight. I can't even go to the bathroom by myself, much less pray. Right. Uh, we had a lot of those, a, a good amount of moms who responded that way. And that is a real thing. It's a real frustration. And we we can laugh a little bit about it now. You and I can, because we're slightly beyond that stage, or at least with some of our kids. And so, um, but it's real. I remember that. I remember how painful and frustrating that season was. Um, but then we had other moms who responded with much deeper things. Like, I am tired of trying to trust the Lord. Yeah. Um, disappointment I, after yeah, just, disappointment. Yes. Deep disappointment. Or I've prayed for God to do something really good that would bring him glory for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And I cannot understand why he won't do it. Um, things that really questioned the goodness of God, um, just deep, deep hurts in women that, that needed some biblical truth and understanding to help them bridge the gap that was, that they were feeling between them and God. And so that's where this book came from. And I'm, I'm reading these responses and I'm thinking, you know what, I can help with this. I, I think I know how to fix this. Not that I'm God or anybody's personal Holy Spirit, but I really felt like I, I think I can help them fix this. And so um, the book was birthed and we do go over several reasons, several challenges that prevent moms from having the kind of vibrant prayer life that they might want. So we definitely don't want to, you know, recreate the book and we can't do that in, you know, <laughs> 40 more minutes or right. 30 more minutes, but um, if you could pick like maybe the top, top couple, mm -hmm. top few that, that really were like a resounding, the majority of women or, or not ones that, mm -hmm. that really spoke to you. Um, could you like just share a couple of the, the ones that, and, and maybe some suggestions for women that are listening that, that might be struggling with the same mm -hmm. thing? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've been really open in my life about talking about the fact that I was raised in a Christian home. 
I went to Sunday school every Sunday. We were, we were that family that were, you know, we were at church every time the doors were open for the most part, but I was not raised in a praying home. Hmm. Now, when I say that, I know that my parents prayed for me. I know for a fact that my parents prayed for me, but we did not have a culture where my parents prayed out loud for us or that we prayed together at a meal or those kind of things. And so while I was raised in the church and I knew about prayer and I heard prayer in formal situations, I really didn't have a model for what to say in prayer. I just, I didn't know the, you know, maybe call it the language of prayer. I didn't know the words to say that, that, seemed to make sense to talk to God in that way. And so um, one of my favorite chapters in the book is chapter two, which is titled, I don't know what to pray. And that was an answer that we got a lot. And I think that it was probably from moms like me who didn't have that example growing up if they were in a Christian home or some moms who weren't raised in a Christian home and had no idea how to, how to pass on their faith they didn't have a model for anything, any form of passing on their faith to their kids. So we spend a lot of time in chapter two, teaching our teaching the readers the, the, the idea and the concept and the power of praying God's word. When I first started learning to pray, um, well, I, I had some experience with prayer. I had a, a roommate in graduate school that was one of the first people to ever actually say to me, not just, I will pray for you, but hey, let's pray for that right now. And she would sit down and hold my hands and, and pray for me in that moment. And that was revolutionary for me. Having someone do that for me was such a huge piece of my prayer story. But really, I didn't start praying in a significant way until my kids were born. And so I, you know, I don't know, I've, I've thought about this and I've processed this and I've tried to remember and I can't. But I remember one of the first verses that I ended up praying was Ezekiel 36, 26. And I don't know why I was in the book of Ezekiel 36. I can't remember if I was in a Bible study or, or what, but that was that verse, which, which tells us that um, God is the one who changes hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. It just, it revolutionized things for me. It made it clear to me that I was not responsible for the changing of my children's hearts. I was responsible to create an environment maybe that made it as easy as possible for them to come to Christ. I was responsible for giving them a home where God was a, a daily minute by minute reality part of the way we lived and the way we talked, but God was the one who was going to change their heart of stone to heart of flesh. And that was a, that was a relief to me. And so I started praying almost just naturally Lord, would you turn their hearts of stone to hearts of flesh? And I wrote it down on sticky notes and I put it all over our house and I put it on my bedroom, you know, my bathroom mirror. I put it outside of their bedroom doors and I would, um, I would pray for them uh, when I would lay them down for naps or when I would put them to bed. That was the last thing I prayed for them all the time. And so God started this, this love for me um, in pretty quickly of learning to pray God's word back for my children. And so I began to go to his word more and look for more things to pray. So when you pray God's word, when you pray scripture, now I'm not saying that there's really a wrong way to pray, but I had an epiphany about God's word. There were three things that brought me to this point where I just really feel like praying God's word is, is the best thing ever. One was that I had settled in my heart um, years before that, that God's word was true. I believed with all my heart and all my intelligence that God's word was absolutely true. That didn't mean I understood everything about it, but I believed that it was God's word and that it was true. I had settled that. The second was a verse from Hebrews 4.12, which says that the word of God is living and active and that it has the power to divide our hearts, right? It's not like any other book out there. It's not just a history book. It actually has power to change us from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So that was the second thing that I believed. And the third thing I believed was from Isaiah 55. I believe it's verse 11, which says that the word of God will not return void, but that it will do exactly what he purposes for it to do. So if I pulled those three truths together, that God's word was true, that it had the power to effect change in human hearts, 
and that it was going to do exactly what God purposed for it to do and nothing short of that, then I just simply couldn't think of anything better to pray. Like it just didn't make sense to me much to pray anything else. And so with that in mind, I found myself going to the word more and more and more to try and seek out what do you want to do in the lives of these boys that you've given me, Lord? How can I pray? Um, How can I pray into what's happening in their lives and their character um, according to what your your scripture says? Um, what, What are the character traits in them? right now that may be sinful and where can I find what the Bible has to say about that and pray for you to do the opposite in them to to take maybe a a pride and and change it into humility and and those kind of things so I just fell in love with the process of looking to God's word to figure out what I should pray for my kids and it's still the model today that I suggest for most moms and here is why Jamie it's not just that it's this fantastic way like it You'll never run out of things to pray if you pray scripture, and you'll you'll almost always know that what you're, as long as you're not taking anything out of context, you'll always know that what you're praying for is right. You don't have to worry about what to pray or whether it's the right thing to pray if you're praying scripture. But here's like the sneaky backdoor reason that I like for, to, I like to teach women to, uh, to pray scripture. It's because Hebrews 4.12 applies to you as well. And as you go to the word of God, it's going to change you. Yeah. I went to the word saying, God, I need you to change my children. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So in the beginning, I, I, I went to God's word because I wasn't the kind of mom I wanted to be. And I knew that I needed God's help. And now 16, almost 17 years later, um, you know, I'm not, I certainly haven't arrived. I still have lots more maturity that God can do, but I'm way closer to the kind of mom that I want to be now than I was 16, 17 years ago when I started. And it's because God's word has been living and active in me. And that's the sneaky reason that I love for women to pray God's word, because I know that it's going to, to, to affect this change in them as well. And aren't our children kind of like mirrors where, you know, cause I find the same thing where I, I find something, you know, a character trait that I think, mm, I don't think that's quite in line with what God wants. And I'll start praying about that particular thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, God lifts the veil and I'm like, oh boy, yeah, yes. <laughs> he got that for me. Yes, he did. <laughs> I need that same Bible verse. I need that yep. prayer. And it is, it's very, and same with our spouses. You know, I feel like it's the same thing. But with kids, especially, I think because we are the, uh, the leaders of our children, a lot trickles down. And so some of the things reflected back that are sinful, I find are coming from my own heart or my own subtle attitude or things that I've said or done. And not that everything, you know, not that everything is that way, but, but God's word, I, I like that sneaky backdoor reason because mm-hmm. it really does. It it refines us as we're praying out these things for our kids. And I also really like what you said about, you know, I think as parents, especially as our children get older, we can have guilt about them, maybe not being as committed to the Lord as we would like, or, you know, feeling like, well, if I'd only done more, if I'd only whatever, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, and I think sometimes we internalize the, the job of transforming their heart when that is the job of the Holy spirit. And that's not to lift any of it. You know, we'll all stand before God one day and give account. So there's a, there's a heavy mantle of responsibility Mm -hmm. there as a Christian parent, when you are in the knowledge of what truth is to pass that on to your children. But, um, but the guilt is from the enemy. And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I just really uh, think it, that's a really good point that you make of just that relief of, okay, but it's the Holy spirit. I need to open doors for them to meet with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he does the transformation. I, I yeah. love that. It's really a partnership that God invites us into where, you know, I, I have said often that there are, uh, there are so many people out there who are so much smarter than I am so much more learned in the scriptures you know, advanced theology degrees who would still say that they don't understand everything about prayer. And and I don't either. There is some kind of mystery around prayer. I don't know why when God is sovereign, 
he needs me to pray. But that's the way he created it. It's the way he created our relationship to be that way with him. And so because of that, I know and trust that God does use my prayers, even when I don't understand them, even when I don't get the answer that I want, um, even when I have to wait a long time, God is using our prayers as a part of the ushering in of his greater kingdom plan. Mm -hmm. And and he invites us in and says, would you join me in that? I'm going to use you. And that's amazing to me that God would do that. It, It really... You started out this conversation by saying, what's at stake if we don't pray for our kids? And I really think there's so much at stake. I don't know. This is this is something I've wondered a lot. And I don't know that there will ever be a way that I can figure it out for sure. I don't think I can, I will ever be able to do the math or, or maybe ever get an answer. But the statistics tell us right now that children are leaving the church in droves when they turn 18. Yeah. Like we are losing a generation of kids when they turn 18 and, and begin to make their own decisions about whether or not they want to go to church. And I wonder, and again, I don't know that there will ever be a way I can know this, but I wonder if a generation of moms would stand up and pray and would say, I am going to be a praying mom. Mm-hmm. I may not get a lot of things right. There may be way more things that I get wrong than I get right, but I am going to pray for my children, would we see that change? I don't know. I don't know. But it gives me goosebumps to think about it. Could we do that? Could God use our prayers that way? I'd like to think so. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I so many times I wish that I could, you know, you get a glimpse of the urgency, you know, like moments like this, when we're talking about it, and you're like, okay, there is an urgency Mm -hmm. to pray for our children, the battle is not against flesh and blood, all the stuff around us, all of the busyness, all of the things going on, um, are basically in if you boil it all down, they're distractions from Mm -hmm. what the spiritual reality is behind the scenes from the eternal things going on, not to say we're not to live our lives and learn things and go to school and do sports or whatever it is, you know, for the glory of God, but they can be big distractions and we can just be lulled into this sense of complacency. And then, you know, but then you get to this point where you see, I, I wish that sometimes that I could just have that urgency all the time and see through and just see the spiritual battle. God, give me a picture of, of the battle that's going on right now, because if we could see the enemy and him sending his forces to deceive our children, I mean, what mom, I mean, I know how I feel when my kid gets checked in the hockey rink (laughs) against the boards that (laughs) mama bear rises up and, but you know, to see the enemy going after your children. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we could see just a glimpse of that, how much more passionate Mm -hmm. would we be, but we know it's true. So I just, I, I I just, I want to hold on to that. I want to find a way to tap into that urgency more regularly because I get lulled into busyness and go for days sometimes without really having that feeling of, Oh, wow, I've got to pray for my kids sometimes weeks, Mm -hmm. probably, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes we just have to to see that picture. That's a great way to put it. I yeah. I went to a conference one time and um the speaker was talking about a battle that one of her children was going through and I don't remember, I think they were teenagers. And I remember she just felt compelled not just to sit down and pray, but when her children were at school, she literally got up and went to the doors of their rooms and ran her hands up across the door frame. Uh, from inside the room and said to the enemy, you shall not pass. You shall not pass. And I think we have authority as moms against the powers that want to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. That is the only purpose the enemy has. That's it. Kill, steal, and destroy. And we have the power to stand up and say, you shall not pass. Now that doesn't mean that our kids are never going to have to deal with challenges. It doesn't mean that the world is not going to throw hard things at them or that they're never going to be faced with temptations and have to choose to stand. But we have authority and, and we need to take it. And, and the thing is, God is offering this to us. All we have, to, it's, it, there's nothing about me or you, Jamie. There's, there's nothing special about us mm-hmm. that God has said, 
I think I'm going to invite Brooke into a really cool prayer relationship. I'm going to give her special privileges, or I'm going to give Jamie special access so that I'm going to listen to her. That's not the way it works. This authority that God's given us, this ability to partner with him in the raising of our children is available to every single child of God, every single one. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, I, I just don't seem to have that. I am here to tell you, you can develop it. You can, you can do it. God will give it to you if you want it. And, and there's nothing like it. I can't imagine praying. I, I can't imagine raising my children apart from prayer now, having tasted how good the Lord is to give me what I need for these children. I can't imagine trying to do it by myself. And that's really what we're doing when we're not praying. We are effectively communicating to God saying, I don't need you. I got this. Yeah. That's I can do what this. We're saying, all right. That's what we're saying. <laughs> and the truth yeah. of the matter is that we so don't have this, you know, and and sometimes in his kindness, God shows some of us that truth earlier than others. Mm-hmm. And and it may be that if you're listening right now and you do feel like you've got this, um, it may be that God's gonna show you that you don't, and it will be his kindness to you to show you how much you need him because it's just an amazing thing to partner with him that way. Well, I want to go back a little bit to what you were talking about when you first started talking about some of these responses you got from women, Mm -hmm. the one that really piqued my interest, because I've heard it from women on our end too, um, through our podcast, not necessarily in light of, of parenting, but just in general is this idea that I've been disappointed so many times I have either things have gotten worse. Uh I, I, I did a blog post a few months ago, maybe last year called when things get worse, when you, after you pray, and that is one of our top responses, almost, you know, weekly, we get multiple emails of like, I just read this and things have Uh gotten worse after I've started to pray. What's Uh the deal. And, you know, so it's kind of that idea. I've been disappointed by God. I feel like someone else might have a special prayer relationship where they see things working for them in their favor, but I don't have that. God has blocked me out kind Mm -hmm. of feeling. What would you say to women with that kind of pain and and baggage? Um, There's a few things that I could say to that. One is that there is an understanding that I think a lot of modern Christians don't have and I can say that because I sometimes forget about it myself. Um, and that is, if you think about the Lord's Prayer, um, whose kingdom do we pray for to come in the Lord's Prayer? We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But so often in my prayers, what I'm really asking God to do is to build Brooke's kingdom. Mm. It's true. And it's it's humbling to think about that. And so when I find myself getting frustrated with God or angry at him or disappointed in him, this is this is what's true for me. Most often it's because I've been praying and wanting him to build my kingdom instead of his. I have I have decided what I think is good and I want God to do it. And I've forgotten that God is the one who defines what is good in light of his bigger plan that I simply am too finite to see. I can't see all of what he's doing. I can't, I'm, I'm just one small piece of his kingdom. I'm not the whole kingdom. And yet we pray as if we're the whole kingdom. And I've, I've had so many moms, so many women really say to me, but what I'm asking for is good. And I get that because I have been praying for years for the salvation of a loved one. I prayed that, um, that the Lord, when, when the, you know, when we went in for our, our ultrasound with our third baby and the doctor didn't find a heartbeat, I prayed that God would restore life and he didn't. Um, when, when my, both of my uncles passed away within 10 months of each other, I prayed that God would heal them and he didn't. There have been times, plenty of times when I have prayed for something that if God had said yes, would have brought him so much glory. Like yeah. I can, I mean, how amazing would it have been to go back for a second ultrasound and found a heartbeat? Praise the Lord, right? 
everybody mm-hmm. around me would have praised him. How amazing would it, would it be for my loved one to go from death to life and to know that and have that assurance before that person, you know, is gone from us. How amazing would it have been for God to heal my uncles so that they were still with us and so that their grandchildren had access to them the same way that my grandchildren or my children have access to my dad. Um, He didn't do that. But how amazing would that have been? We look at those things and we think, I'm not asking you for a Ferrari, God, right? I'm asking you, I'm asking you to do something that would bring you glory. Why can you not do that? Yes. And I think we forget that no and wait and not yet are all answers to prayer. Mm-hmm. We, we think that the only valid answer to prayer is yes, but God has the right to say no. And he also has the right to say, I'm working on it. Give me some time. Or I'm going to do this differently than you think I'm going to. Because he's the one whose kingdom we're trying to build. That's our purpose. Not to build my own kingdom, but to build his. And there's a, there's a release that comes with understanding that. And just saying, okay, God, I, I heard Elizabeth Elliot talk about this one time when she um, was Uh, praying and asking the Lord why he had to take, like, why did she have to have a daughter? Why did her daughter have to not have a father? Because uh, if you know the story of Elizabeth Elliot, her husband, Jim was martyred along with four other men in the jungles, um, speared to death for trying to share the gospel. They were clearly doing something that was good Mm -hmm. and they died in the pursuit of it. And she, in a moment of, 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 um, you know, just sheer honesty was praying and saying, Lord, why did you do this to me? Why do I, why does my daughter have to not have to go through this life without her father? Because having him would have been such a a joy for her. Having him would have been so good for her. And she, she relayed that she felt like in that moment, the Lord said to her, I am the God of the world. I have more pieces than just you and your fatherless child that I'm trying to, to bring, that I'm using to bring in the kingdom. Wow. And it, it's humbling. And it sound when she said that, I was kind of like, Ooh, it almost sounds ouch. cruel. It almost sounds cruel, but it's true. We, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Yeah. Our picture of God in comparison to us is so small. We're so big. He's so small when really it ought to be the other way around where God is so big and we are so small. I, I don't want it to sound cruel or upsetting or hurtful to the people that are listening, but it's the truth. We are here for him and he does give us so many good things. He does refresh us. And sometimes he does answer our prayers with a yes. But if we give him permission to say yes, we also have to give him permission to say no, because he's God. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't make it any harder or it doesn't make it any easier to walk through it, to Mm -hmm. know that, but to, you know, start looking at any movement as God's movement, just knowing, you know, knowing that scripture says in all things, I'm Mm -hmm. at work, that even when things do get worse or you don't get the healing or the blessing or whatever it is that you're praying for, um, you know, to know that that, that, that God is in that movement, that he is still in it. He is still working and that it might take a while for the pieces to come together. We, um, we got our kids a gift that they had been wanting for a very long time. And, um, and we kept it a secret from them and they, they were, they had been asking for it and asking for it. And they'd like, you know, drop subtle hints. They were earning money toward it, but it would have taken a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when the time came for us to get the gift, I remember, you know, I ordered it and it was going to take like two weeks to get there. And during that time, the kids, especially our oldest would be asking, you know, in different ways and like trying to figure out ways to get it. And, um, I remember just being so conflicted because I I was so excited. I was maybe as excited as they were that they were going to end up getting it. Mm -hmm. And I I just remember being so excited, wanting to tell him, but I had to just keep saying, "Hmm, I I just don't think it's going to work out, you know, and (laughs) he was in the dark for this relatively short amount of time. And through that whole time, I was like, I wonder if this is how God feels Mm -hmm. when 
not that God is human to, to not see the big picture, but I wonder if this is, you know, or at the very least we can look at that example of the waiting period of not knowing and God being like, no, you're not going to get this right now, but just wait, either you're going to get that thing in my time, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you're asking for this, but I'm going to give you something so much better in my time. And in the waiting period, it just feels like you're being ignored. It feels like you're being put off, but I don't know. That's helped me kind of to get this picture in my head of during those waiting times, during the times when I'm not getting what I've asked for to just be mindful that, that there's that package is being packaged at the shipment center. It's being sent. It's being, it's going from city to city. It's coming my way. And at some point in the future, that, that end product, whatever it looks like, whether it's what I pictured in the beginning or not is it's going to come. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be God's best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Well, did you have any other, how about pick one more that really, that you really, uh, really enjoyed? Yeah, I, sure. I also really, well, it kind of actually ties into what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend, Stacey Thacker, contributed to chapter three, which is titled, I'm exhausted from trying to trust God. Mm -hmm. And in the book, so part of the part of the format of the book is that um, I have invited several of my author friends, um, who I knew had a personal experience of the challenge that we were talking about, because some of the some of the challenges in the book I've experienced firsthand, and I knew that I could speak to them. Others, I knew, you know, I, I really haven't experienced that particular challenge. And so while I could shine the light of scripture on them, I didn't have a personal story with them. And I really like to have a personal story so that, you know, readers can really identify and feel like, yeah, she gets this. She really understands what this is like. So I invited Stacy to come and and share um, in this particular chapter a little bit about the night that her husband had a sudden cardiac arrest. Mm -hmm. And like, he literally died and God raised him back to life. Like he was dead for about 15 minutes. His heart stopped beating for 15 minutes. And then God, over the course of a few weeks, uh, well, they, they got his heart beating again after about 15 minutes, but it was very, very touch and go for, um, for several days after that. We just didn't know if God was going to, you know, um, allow Mike to stay with us or to, to go on to heaven. And in that time, right before that, about a year before that happened, um, Stacy's father had passed away. And in between the time of when her father passed away and this happened to Mike, their child got, their, their daughter got um, a difficult diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then Mike died and God brought him back to life. And that all, that sounds really great that God brought him back to life, right? Like you're like, yay, God, but there were challenges associated mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, his brain didn't get oxygen. You know, there, there, there are living um, living challenges with, with that, uh, that miracle that God gave them. So there were these, there was just all these things that happened to them in rapid succession. And she found herself on the bathroom floor, just exhausted. Like that's about as low as you can go is the bathroom floor. And so I identified with that. And I knew that, I knew that the people that read the book would as well, because sometimes we do feel like God just asks too much of us. Like, Lord, you're, you're asking for things that like, this is too much. You can't keep asking more of me. And so uh, I really enjoyed talking to her about that and and her story. And it was the perfect introduction to this. And so um, this idea that, that it's almost the question of whether or not we can trust God to be good. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's different before we were talking about, um, you know, goodness in the sense of how we define good, but, yeah. but when you're on the bathroom floor and you, you, you just really can't go any lower than that, you look up and you think, I'm not sure that I really trust you to be good to me because you just keep taking things away from me. You just, it almost feels like a sucker punch, you know, like you're yeah. just waiting for the next thing to come. And so in, in the book, we talk a lot about the healing of that and, and how, uh, how to trust God, how to keep believing him when you don't believe enough. Uh, like, the, like the father said of his son, Lord, I do believe. Would you help my unbelief? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe it was the disciples who said to Jesus at some point, um, a lot of the disciples had, had walked away. Um, and so Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, are you going to go away too? And Peter, I think, looks at him and says, well, Lord, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? And when we get in those deep pits of life, if we've truly made a commitment to the Lord, if we really and truly know that who Jesus is and what he did for us, then there is that element of where are we going to go? Like, I, I know the truth. I can't unknow the truth. Right. You can't but just God, block I, it out. Right. You can't just block it out. But it is a process of learning that God is good no matter what. Even if the very worst thing happens to us, God has still given us himself. And that's that. And for that reason alone, we can trust him to be good. And, and I know that that sounds, I, I think, you know, maybe there could be a, a listener right now that would say, well, Brooke, you just really don't get what God has asked me to give up. And I, yeah. I want to say that I, I do on some level understand what God has asked you to give up. And I don't say, I don't say that lightly. I don't say those words as a woman who has never experienced loss, um, because I have experienced a lot of loss. And the one thing that keeps me believing and moving forward is that I really and truly believe that God is good and that I can trust him no matter what he might remove from my life, whatever he might ask me to give up, I can trust him and he will provide. So it's a, it's a hard, it's, you know, as I said in the beginning, some of these reasons for not having a a vibrant prayer life, they were really, really deep, really Mm -hmm. difficult challenges. And they're very real um, that the women are experiencing. So I've been really grateful to get to speak into them with any kind of, of voice at all. Well, I have not read your book yet, but I'm definitely going to, and I'm, I'm really excited. I love, especially that you brought in that you took such care to bring in personal stories, because I think that is so important to have just some flesh to put on the idea. It, It just helps us so much to be able to get encouragement from women that have gone through the things, you know, that, that we've that we've been going through or have gone through the questioning or are still in the process of questioning and, and still remaining faithful because they believe God is good and no mm-hmm. other reason. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank you. Well, where can our listeners find you and Aaron and million, million praying moms online mm-hmm. and on social media and find your books? Yeah. So you can find uh, million praying moms at very simply millionprayingmoms.com. Uh, we have lots of great resources there for uh, families to be able to get you, you know, pointed in the right direction, take the first steps of, of um, creating a prayer habit in your, in your life. One that brings a vibrancy and, and a goodness to your life that I, I know you'll love. So go there to find all of those things. If you purchase the book, you actually get a free resource. Um, It's actually at the end of chapter three that we were just talking about. There is a link that you can get to a free resource that's called How to Pray God's Word for Your Children. And it's actually this step-by-step guide to what I use in my home. It's the actual process that I've used in my home since I very first started looking at praying scripture for my kids. It's not rocket science, but for someone who says, um, you know, I really just need you to tell me exactly how to do this step-by-step. Yeah. Step. This, is, this is your, your, this is your guide. So um, go and grab that. You can get that for free um, and you can find the book anywhere books are sold. And you can learn a little bit uh, more about me at brookmclaughlin.net. If you're a social media person, I really love Instagram. That's my favorite. And I'm at both Million Praying Moms and Brooke McLaughlin. That is wonderful. Well, thank you, Brooke. Well, how can we be praying for you today? Yeah, I would say I have two teenage boys and I'm not sure I need to say a whole lot more. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly right. No, I have good boys. They're, they're very, very normal teenage boys. They're good boys. um, And I love them dearly, but yeah, just, just prayer for me as a mom to be able to, and for my husband to be able to know how to shepherd them and guide them as they get older. I would love that. Yeah. It's like, like you were talking about the prayer closet changes, Mm -hmm. the, the prayer 
topics change. I had this very unrealistic notion that once I got past the extremely difficult stage of getting my children to sleep through the night, that it was all downhill from there. And boy, I didn't even know, didn't even know the beginning. It's like, it just, the stakes get higher and higher and our prayer lives get more and more necessary. I would say that, that, uh, raising teenagers is not quite as physical and sweaty as it is to do children, but it is in some ways harder. So because the stakes are higher. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, we will pray for all of those things, Brooke. Thank you for being here and give Aaron our best and, and we'll be excited to follow you guys and see what's next. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. God, we just thank you so much for this time with Brooke. Thank you for her heart for prayer and just her story of how you just placed a passion for praying God's word over her children and her family. Um, Lord, we just, just lift her up today. We, we lift up million praying moms and we pray that you would give them vision and wisdom for the next steps for their ministry, um, that you would uh, steer them in exactly the right direction, that the, the ideas and the vision and the things that are on their hearts to share and to do would, would be constantly being conformed to what you have for them, God, your absolute best and that you would lay that out clearly and specifically for them both. We just pray for Brooke and just for parenting, Lord, we pray for those boys. We just thank you so much for them. And God, we just pray that your blessing would be on those boys, that you would just um, allow them to experience you in a personal way, that you would allow their faith to become strong, stronger than it ever has been, even though the years, the teenage years can be some of the most challenging Um, God, I just pray that they would lean into you when they have problems. Um, I just pray for open communication with Brooke and with her husband, that they'd be able to quickly intervene if there are problems or issues or things that need addressing, kind of like we were talking about, that you would just open their eyes clearly to how to pray for those boys very specifically, that they could be fighting those battles for them um, in real time and not in retrospect. Lord, I, I just lift up her family and her home. just pray your blessing over all of them. And we just pray that you would be glorified in her life, in her ministry, in her writing, in her family, in her marriage, and in her parenting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer.